Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Breeze. Passes incomplete. No flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Talk to each other. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints sideline. Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. It's probably going the other way with it. I mean, the ball's on the other side of Roby Coleman. And this for the. I loved that call because I think there's a moment shortly after that where Aikman finally sees the replay and goes, oh. <laughs> like, uh, like, oh, no. Oh, no. My favorite <laughs> broadcast moment ever is an oh, no. Do you, do you have any guesses on what that is? It's um, butt fumble. Oh, yeah. Mark Sanchez runs into the guy's butt and it's picked up. Chris Collinsworth just goes, Oh no! Like he he knows exactly what's going to happen. The internet was established enough. He knows it's going to get played a million times of yeah. Mark Sanchez running into someone's that behind. Was, that was fumbling. right. That was like the peak. The Jets had like become a complete clown show yes. under Rex Ryan yes. too at that point yep. of the season. Yeah, it was the perfect timing yep. for a butt fumble to happen. And <laughs> Collinsworth, the best call of his life is. Oh, oh no! <laughs> and because anytime, like a lot, I mean, a lot of the broadcasters, it's sort of like stiff. And this is why, and I want to talk to you later about Tony Romo and how much money he wants. But you know, it's sort of, like even with Collinsworth, like he's prepared so much and he's got a lot to say and he's going to say it. But just that natural reaction of all, all of America went like, "Oh no!" Do you remember? You remember the uh, Patriots Packers game? where the lineman for the Patriots had the long kickoff return. Oh, yes. It was like oh, a squibber. Yeah. He picked it up and ran it yeah. like 70 yards. Dan I just Connelly, remember I think. Dan Connolly, yeah. yes. When he got a bunch of open space in front of him, Collinsworth, you just hear Collinsworth go, oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> like, right? Al Michaels is calling the play and Collinsworth, oh, just, man. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I feel like I would have gone like, wee! <laughs> it's just great. It is one of the great moments in offensive line history. So uh, right now on my TV on ESPN, they are discussing rule changes, including expanded replay of the NFL. And if you've got a thought on this, you can chime in at 651-646-8255 here on Purple Daily. And what I wanted to do is have us make the cases for the two rules that are really out there being discussed at the owners' meetings that are realistic. So one of them 
is to change the onside kick rule, and the other is to expand replay. And the proposal to expand replay, Manny, includes non-calls like the Nikel Roby Coleman one. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is I'm going to make the case for my favorite one, which is the onside kick rule, and then you're going to tell me why I'm wrong. And then you're going to make the case for the replay expansion, and I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to set a timer here to give me one minute to tell you exactly why this 4th and 15 idea is great. Okay, here. I'm setting my timer. Okay. Here I go. It would be so much fun, Manny. Like, if you're talking about late in a game where a team is trying to come back and you know that the onside kick is about a 5% play now as opposed to like 15 to 20% like it used to be. But since they changed the rules, no one gets them. It's no fun. There were onside kicks we saw in Vikings games last year that just bounce right to the other team and there's no chance. One of the only ones that got recovered was when Odell Beckham was like, nope, not jumping for that thing. Like that was the only reason someone recovered one. They're impossible to recover. Now you're talking about... think about U.S. Bank Stadium, Vikings going for it on 4th and 15 essentially after scoring to try and come back, what that crowd would sound like, what that feeling would be like, the tension, and if you're talking about uh, you know the percentages, it would probably be around the same percentage as onside kicks used to be. So it's more fun, and it kind of evens things out. There is my one-minute argument for 4th and 15 at the 35 as opposed to an onside kick. Rebuttal. Well, they just need to change the rules back to what the onside kicks used to be. And kickers need to be better at getting onside kicks. And we need to we need to get rid of all the Brandon Bostics of the world who can't field onside kicks. And, <laughs> I mean, I think once you do that, you'll bounce it out and you'll have more success on off, onside kicks. And and uh, and I think, I think it'll be better. So you don't think, and this is not what you really think, this is just your rebuttal. Right. You're telling me in your rebuttal that... Um, it, it it just is too much of a big change from yes. what football has always been in these situations. It's the way it's always been. We right. can't go away right. from the way it's always been, Collar. How do you really feel about it? No, I'm actually with you. I mean, if at this point, if they're if they've changed the rules to the onside kicks and it's that much more, I mean, it was already difficult to convert them anyway. Yeah, and if you, since they've made it almost impossible, was it a five percent clip? You said. Yeah. Teams are getting it yeah, at now. Nobody I, mean, was, I, I think there were two all of last year that yeah, were there, covered. There's just there's just no point in even having them. So give the ball to the other team at I don't know, the thirty five or forty yard line or something like that and say, hey, fourth and fifteen, fourth and twenty, whatever. Go go get them. If you wanna if you want a chance to keep the ball, there you go. I just think it would be such an exciting play. I mm-hmm. mean, I, in a way, I don't even really care about whether it's fair or not or or whatever. I just think that if you're trying to create the most excitement possible, what you have right now is a super boring play where you feel like the game is over. And if you're trying to extend games and increase drama, then a fourth and 15 at the 35-yard line with Tom Brady down by a touchdown or Pat Mahomes down by a touchdown would be really intense. And the penalty is pretty severe for missing it, which is the other team gets it in your territory. There was some amendment uh, that was brought up, maybe bring it even back to the 25, wherever it might be. I just think about how fun this would be. Like it's, it's the end of a game and you score and you're like, all right, we're going for the option of fourth and 15. If that's a completion for 20 yards, now it is on. I mean, now it's a one score game and you've got the team with the ball and you're going 
even if it's not the most fair. This reminds me of how the NBA moves the ball up, and women's basketball does this too, mm-hmm. where at the end you call timeout and you move the ball up to a sideline inbound. How in what world is that fair? In what world does that make any logical sense? Like, uh, just under these circumstances, we move the ball over there. Like, it doesn't. But it's fun <laughs> as hell. Like, you get an inbound. You get a shot. You make it yeah. fun at the end. Like, the, sports do this all the time. In what world is a shootout fair? These three guys will now determine one-on-one with the goalie a team game that went on for 65 minutes. And if you lose it, you're, you're still rewarded. Yeah, right. Like, none of this makes any <laughs> damn sense at all, but they do it because they were like, you know, ties are really boring. So let's do this thing. All right. Okay, yours is replay expansion. Mm-hmm. So you have one minute to argue replay expansion. I'll just scream at you when the one minute is up. Go. Uh, pass interference needs to be reviewable. I think when you look at the, the Roby Coleman play in the NFC Championship game, I think it just shows that if if these officials are going to make human mistakes, which they do, and that's fine, the mistakes need to be as correctable as possible. And listen, they review pass interference in the CFL. Yeah. And it works out okay for them. Mm-hmm. It does just fine. So, I mean, I, I just think that reviewing pass interference – should be something that happens and i think it, it you know it's it's we saw it cost a team a trip to the super bowl and i think at this point you, you've got to you've got to add it okay. you've got to add it your time is up yeah so it's hard for me to come up with a rebuttal because i love this and i want this <laughs> but but i'll try anyway i think the other side of it is that you don't want coaches like ability to pick out missed calls to be a really valuable thing. Does that make sense? Where <laughs> like like if you think about it, what what do you want Mike Zimmer his coaching value to be? Defense, like scheme, mm-hmm. leadership, how does he bring a group of 53 men along for 17 weeks? Along the frozen tundras. Like, don't you want your coach to be, like, valued that way? Not, hey, we won two more games this year because our coach randomly picked out a couple of pass interferences. Or we lost games because he thought it was a pass interference and wasn't. So we took away his timeout, and then he didn't have a timeout at the end, so he lost because he wasn't good at reviewing. I think what you were looking for is... Professional football in America (laughs) is a special game. A unique game. See, John Facenda doesn't say anything about reviewing pass interference. That's my argument. (laughs) That's my case right there. If he had said, when they reviewed Nikhil Roby Coleman, like then I would be like, okay. They went to the monitor and they were freezing in Green Bay and stood there for a long time. Like, okay, then I'd understand. Now, I want this because I think as long as you don't change the bylaws of how you do reviews of like Mm -hmm. you get two and if you nail the two you get a third one as long as you don't change that part of it you're not slowing down the game and when something like a pass interference can be a 50 yard play you better be darn sure that it's just there are gonna be pitfalls to that and some of it might even be that when a team is getting a little bit of momentum on offense, another team is just like, ah, oh, holding. Or <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. pass interference. Like, let me throw this flag and try to slow them down or, or whatever it might be. I don't know if that would happen a lot. I do think it is necessary because all of us can see on TV 
that these things are wrong and we have a better view of it than the guys who are actually refing it, that gap needs to be closed. Yeah. No, I I think that, look, these guys are they're human beings. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to miss things. But when they make those mistakes, those mistakes need to be as correctable as possible in my mind. All right. So the other thing I wanted to do here is make up rules for <laughs> ourselves that maybe someday they'll listen to us, Manny. Mm-hmm. So I have a rule, and I want you to be the committee here. You can reject or accept. Okay. I have a an un- irrational amount of appreciation for kick returners. So Eric Metcalf, like if I was just buying only jerseys of players I liked, it would be half fullbacks, kick returners, and like centers. <laughs> All right. Like long snappers. I just, and long snappers, at least a handful <laughs> of them. Like the, just, I, I loved the great kick returners, the Mel Gray's, the uh, Dante Hall's, Eric Metcalf's, all these type of Brian players. Mitchell. They right, they had these very unique, carved out roles, and they were really valuable. By the way, real quick aside, I ran into this stat on Marcus Sherrill's, By the way, who the Vikings aren't bringing back, he averaged more yards per punt return than Deion Sanders for his career. How about that? Really? Yeah. These are the, but I love these guys. Like they're just a great part of the league, and they don't exist anymore. Now it's like, uh, what guy do we just bump up off the practice squad who can catch it and kneel down? So here's my solution, Manny. Mm-hmm. My solution is if the kickoff kicker boots it out of the back of the end zone, you get it at the thirty as the offense to okay. try and keep kickers from doing this because they have such strong legs now. That's just mm-hmm. like doink out of the back of the end zone, most boring thing I've ever seen. So you get it to 30 if you kick it out of the back on the fly. If you kick it into the end zone and they kneel down, you get it at the 20 like it used to be. Mm-hmm. So good kick returners average about 25, 30 yards. So it might be worth it to bring it out at that point. Mm-hmm. And if you kick it through the goalposts, this is a Danny Cunningham edition, but I'll take it. Kick it through the goalposts, you get it at the 10 because that's awesome. <laughs> that's my rule. That I is like my it. rule change. I like it. You want like to bring it. back the kick returners? Yes. I think it would work, right? It would it would get teams to bring kicks out. And I know it's mm-hmm. a dangerous play, but they've changed the way you're supposed to block for those. So it's not as dangerous as it used to be. I just want to see, instead of 20 kick returns a year from Cordero Patterson, I want to see him have 40. I mean, Devin Hester returning the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl so cool. for a touchdown was one of the coolest. Now that was a terrible Super Bowl from sure that point on. After that, but that was that Prince. Yeah, exactly. Well, the halftime show was like a fully elite. Yes, it was fantastic. But that was a special, special, memorable play. Mm-hmm. Like nobody remembers how awful that football game was, but they remember Devin Hester housing the opening kickoff. And now we don't. We don't. Have we don't that see that anymore. We don't ever. have the real true specialists. Like we used to. Well, what was it Jacoby Jones that brought back the kickoff for a touchdown in the Super Bowl for the Ravens against the 49ers? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I miss that. I want to see that. I want to see more of that. Okay, now your made-up rule. That is not a real rule, by the way. That is just my idea only. And now this is your idea, made-up rule. I think that teams should have to go for two on touchdowns inside two minutes, inside the final two minutes of a half. Interesting. So that's the first half or in the fourth quarter. Like kick, inside two kickers minutes. would hate you. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they would. But if you score a touchdown inside two minutes 
of whether it's the first half or the second half, you have to go for two. I, I mean, I like anything that makes this stuff more dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, just and I thought moving the kick, uh, the, the extra point back was kind of silly. It's like, oh, really? So we're going to give more value to extra points or make them harder or make try to make me pay attention to extra points now? Do we really have to do that? Mm-hmm. Anything that just dials up the drama and creates more sort of interesting situations with the score, I'm for. So I, I don't dislike that rule at all. Like making teams actually go for it for two. When somebody goes for two, it's a, it's a play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, oh, everybody dial in. You, there's too many times in NFL football, and the AAF, I like that they've experimented with some of these things, but there's just too many times in the game where you're like, all right, let's see, I have seven minutes now to go make myself a snack. <laughs> and, and as a um, connoisseur of many snacks, I appreciate some of that, but like when I'm covering a game... There will be times where I could like get up after a touchdown and go get a drink, go to the restroom, come back, and like we still haven't kicked off yet, and then we kick it out of the back of the end zone. You're like, dude, people at home must be dying right now with this stuff. And you just want to like like pack in more entertainment. And with that, I think yeah. you do. I kinda I kinda like the idea of if you're down by four and there's a minute twelve left on the clock and you score a touchdown to go up by two. You have to go for two. You right. can't kick an extra point right. to go up three. Right. And if you get the two-point conversion, you're up four. You're probably making it a little bit more difficult for your opponent to go down and beat you. But if you don't get it, now your opponent can right. go down and kick a field goal and still beat you. It would create a lot of dramatic situations. Yeah. I like it, and teams don't go for two enough. Um, I think that mostly it kind of – if you went for it for two every time, it would kind of – be a little bit ahead or break even, I mm-hmm. think. So teams are like, no, let's just make sure we get the seven points. And kickers, aside from Kai Forbath with the Vikings for whatever reason, <laughs> mostly made their extra points. So it hasn't even become that dramatic play that they hoped because it's still like 95%. So um, anyway, we're going to take a quick break. Good stuff, Manny. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about Tony Romo, who wants to get paid. Would you pay Tony Romo one gajillion dollars to come back. We'll talk about that when we return here on Purple Daily on Score North. Because the Vikings are on your mind all the time, not just during the season. Purple Daily. I don't feel like the Rams are that far from the Vikings. Like I don't feel like the gap on paper is so significant to where you go, oh my goodness, the Vikings could never be that. Why not? Like, aren't the Vikings supposed to be that? Like, if you go back a year ago with the investment in Kirk Cousins, with all the pieces coming back, Thielen and Diggs, with all of the defensive pieces, aren't they supposed to be the Rams? What am I missing? Purple Daily on Score North. ScoreNorth.com. Score North, Minnesota sports, anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. This ball's going to Lynch. Mulaney, it's up. Here's Lynch, right side. Jam, push back. Jim, I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. I got to pay now as it's Henry stepping out. Not a good block by Josh Klein. What did you see there? <laughs> I've seen football in the NFL for 14 years. 
Manny, do you like Tony Romo telling you what play is coming? Um, I do. My only concern about it is that it becomes a little bit overkill where he's predicting like 75% of what the plays are going to be and he's nailing all 75% of <laughs> of those plays. So, yeah, I, I mean, right. but I but I do enjoy him overall, though. I think that uh, what he did in the AFC championship game was the perfect mix of calling yeah. out the plays, but also telling you where to look and how to see football. Like, and Sage Rosenfels, who's going to come up at three o'clock on uh, Score North Live today, he was unimpressed because Sage was an NFL quarterback. And he's like, oh, I mean, Rob Gronkowski's man to man on the outside. They're playing man to man defense clearly because they've got a uh, linebacker out on him. Or it's like, okay, Sage, not everybody can do that, like with your big football brain. So it's really cool to have Tony Romo tell you how to watch football. Which is what he's really doing is he's, yeah. he's then explaining why he saw what he saw. Now in that clip that you played, he was getting a little into himself there, like football. That's why you got but, five dollars. This run's going to the left, but, Jim. But for the most part, he'll explain this is what I saw and this is why that happened. Now, if he started getting them wrong, that would be another thing where you'd go like, okay, stop it because you're getting them wrong now. Uh, but Tony Romo reportedly. Wants $10 million to stay with CBS to continue broadcasting with Jim Nance. And what I think uh, is twofold. One, leverage is a hell of a drug because, <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. Everyone was talking about him. ESPN was talking about yeah. him. and He's not even on their network. And they were discussing how he was doing the games in sort of a revolutionary fashion and how much fun he was to watch because of his enthusiasm, which adds something more to it. So he knows that everyone was all about Tony Romo last year in the playoffs. It became one of the stories to talk about how good he was. And he also knows that he made so much dang money in his career that he could just be like, look, if you're not paying me $10 million, I will just go relax in Mexico. <laughs> like, <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not giving me what I'm worth, then forget you. And it will be very interesting to see if Peyton Manning ends up like on ESPN and what they pay him. Because I would yeah. guess that it's the same way for Peyton Manning where he's like, if, unless you're going to give me like $10 mil, I ain't doing this. And um, Manning would be terrific, I'm sure. But Romo has to be waiting to see it. If they pick up Manning, I want the same amount as him because I'm the guy. And I would think, too, that if... I would think that Tony knows that if CBS isn't going to give him that money, then maybe Fox right. or NBC. Well, probably, maybe not NBC because Collinsworth is really yeah, good. But, but Fox. But Fox, you know, maybe. ESPN, maybe. And was there something, maybe I'm wrong on this, that the... Thursday night games, are they no longer going to be Buck and Aikman? Are they going to change their crew for Thursday night games? But I think they, they change them every year. They, oh, they go they? to different networks. Like, because I think the year before, it was Nance and Romo doing the Thursday night games. Oh, okay, yeah. In 2017, I yeah. think. Yeah, and then it was last year, it was Buck and Aikman. Yep. So I, I don't know and what the year before, it might have been like it. the NBC crew or something like that. I don't know what network has it, but it, you're right that someone else would pick him up, especially, mm -hmm. I mean, ESPN, I, I would think, for Monday Night Football would yeah. be like, on it. Right, right away. Yeah, and, and that gig, we saw how long John Gruden stuck around and that gig. It seems pretty cushy, like pretty <laughs> nice to have the NBC or uh, the Monday Night Football gig 
Um, and it would be such a huge upgrade over what they had last year that that if I were him, I'd be doing the same exact thing. I, I wonder if he is at all polarizing. It seems like everybody has about the same opinion of Tony Romo, that he's just fun to watch, and mm. maybe the shtick goes a little too far sometimes, but whatever, when someone has that type of entertainment value versus, and I don't like dislike Troy Aikman, but with Troy Aikman, it's just kind of what you've always had. Sort of the same type of mm-hmm. very standard type of analysis. And it's not like Phil Sims who didn't know who was playing, like what was going on. <laughs> In order for it to be a forward pass, I Jim, mean, it has to go forward. Phil Sims was a space boy out there after a while. It's like, okay, so we've got to get got to get somebody in there that knows like what down it is. I uh I noticed something when I was playing this clip of Romo predicting plays. Um, see if you catch it here. I'm going to play it again here. This ball's going to Lynch. Mulaney! Here's Lynch, right side. And jammed and pushed back. Jim, I got $5. This is a run to the left. There it is. I've got to pay now as it's Henry. I've got to pay now. Stepping out. Not a good block by Josh Klein. What did you see there? A good I've block by Josh Klein. Oh, a good block by Josh Klein. I thought it was funny that Nance said, I've got to pay now. I th- yeah, I that think was pretty good, too. At first, Jim Nance was probably put off by how often Tony Romo jumped over him. And then he was like, oh, everyone loves this. And so do I. Welcome, friends. I love Tony Romo just as you do. <laughs> I I always enjoy the, the, uh, the broadcast teams where you – can really tell that they really enjoy working yeah. together. Like Madden and Summerall, you could always tell that they really enjoyed working together. Vern and um, Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson doing college football games for CBS. I always enjoyed that team because they always seemed like they really genuinely liked working together and really enjoyed working with each other. And Summerall and Madden had a sense of humor that went back and forth. Like Summerall had worked so many years before and had like a, a natural sense of humor about him. And mm-hmm. Madden, I think, developed it as he went along. So by the time they were in the late 90s and early 2000s, if it, did they get to the early 2000s, it was definitely late yeah. 90s where I thought that they were so good together um, and, and mid 90s where they had fully established their connection with each other. And that is a rare thing. I don't know if Jim Nance... And Tony Romo quite have that type of thing. But I think Nance got on board pretty quickly yeah. with how Romo did it. And now what what they've got to know, I'm sure CBS is, if they cut ties with Tony Romo, that people are not going to be very happy with that. And maybe Jim Nance isn't going to be very happy. Right. And he's like their guy. Because everyone's been so happy with how that team has worked out that Nance might be pretty perturbed and push them. So well played, Tony Romo. It might mean they have to. Phil Sims back in the booth no, with no, I, I don't think him. anything I, means that. I don't. I I, I hope not. Um, I I want to ask you about something, Manny. That is uh, aside from this. If you have a thought on Tony Romo wanting ten million dollars, I say to everyone, every person, whether you work at Hubbard Broadcasting or CBS or around the corner at the grocery store, like I had no leverage as a grocery store stock boy in two thousand seven or whenever I worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do, use it. Get as much money as you can. Everyone, every employee, do that. So Tony Romo, do that. I know it's a lot, but do it. Um, something floating around a little bit, Manny, since Rob Gronkowski retired, was the possibility, and, and, and again, it's sort of like a little bit 
into the this probably won't happen range. But if you were a TCO, you'd be going up to Rick Spielman's office and saying, what do you think of this idea, Rick? <laughs> Which is trading Kyle Rudolph on draft night to the Patriots who have a bunch of draft picks, like trying to get a second and a third or something from the Patriots who like to trade draft picks all the time. So they like to accumulate them with letting people go in free agency and they like to move them and they like to bring in veteran players. They desperately tried to get Jared Cook as their tight end. Would you make that move to get extra draft picks to use on offensive linemen and then take Noah Fant or TJ Hawkinson in the first round? I mean, this again is like, it doesn't seem this team wants to do any of this, mm-hmm. but if Bill Belichick called and said, Hey, Rick, we, we want. Kyle Rudolph in a trade. Do you like that trade idea? Then I think if you're Rick Spielman, you're like, you got to think about it because Rudolph isn't signing an extension. It doesn't seem. So this could be his last year in Minnesota. Even though he's experienced and he's reliable, and I have a ton of respect for a tight end who can consistently rank in the top 10 in receiving year after year. I think we look at Gronk and we look at Travis Kelsey and some of the other great tight ends over the years, Greg Olson, and we go like, Rudolph isn't those guys. No, he's not, but almost no one is, and most tight ends are trash. Like, 40% of the league's tight ends can't play at all. Mm-hmm. And Rudolph has been in the top 10 pretty consistently, even if he's not first. That certainly doesn't mean he's last. So he's not a guy that I would want to just boot out the door. But if there's still free agents on the market at draft time, there usually is, and they need to spend in some areas to fill out the roster. Backup running back is one. If you could get TJ Yeldon, he's still a free agent. A backup quarterback. How about Brock Osweiler? 15-15 and for his career. That's what you're looking for. And draft TJ Hawkinson first, then you spend your second-round picks on offensive linemen. Like, I don't hate that idea. I don't hate it either. I mean, I... I I think the only scary thing is it seems like any time a team does a deal with the New England Patriots, it's just like the Patriots always seem to like win that deal somehow. That that would be my only hesitation on it. But I think with where they're at right now, I think you really have to consider consider doing that. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is reliable. He catches everything that you throw at him. He's very well liked in this community and very well respected. With that said, though, I do think he's replaceable. Yeah. And I don't think that trading him away and getting something in return that you can use to help your roster, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I feel the same way, that it's not an easy thing to replace, but there are three tight ends in this draft who are really good. Mm -hmm. And even if you use the second-round pick on one of them, at worst case, you have... uh, Tyler Conklin, who showed some progress at the end of the year, and you have David Morgan, who is a really good blocker. So you've already got those guys in place, and you end up picking up. Maybe you even sign Max Williams, who's still a free agent, with some of that money. So you sign Max Williams, you draft Irv Smith or TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant. One of those guys will be there in the second round for you, maybe if you want to do it that way. Like I, I just think that it opens up a lot of options. And for me, Manny, it's always, it's always like about the cap space and what you can add up to value. So if you were just to put like numbers, let's say it was one to 10 on value and we did it like the simplest way possible. So let's say Tom Brady is a 10 value to his team and 
Danny Isadora, sorry guy, is a one. It's just like a player who exists but isn't a starter and you could replace him that easy. Mm -hmm. So Kyle Rudolph in this is like a six. Like he's not super easy to replace, but he's also not irreplaceable. Would you be able to add up TJ Yeldon, Max Williams, and a drafted tight end? Do they add up to more than six for your value? This is like the simplest way I can do this. Like, do those three players, TJ Yeldon coming out of the backfield catching the ball, or Jay Ajayi as your um, Latavius Murray type player? Mm-hmm. Max Williams has not reached his potential, but he's a player in the NFL. He's still young. He, he's still young, and he can go out there and play. And then you add in a TJ Hawkinson, too. I think that that adds up to more than just what Kyle Rudolph brings. Just the formula of those three players versus one, and you can get those three players, plus a backup quarterback, I think is important. And we've seen that. You don't mm-hmm. have to, you, It's amazing to me that you even have to talk with Vikings fans about a backup quarterback being important. Like, we've been through this <laughs> with a ton of different guys. Our buddy Gus Ferrat, Wade Wilson, yeah. Case Keenum, Randall Cunningham, like having a backup who can come in and play for you is Brad a huge Johnson deal. Was, Brad I mean, Johnson was. Brad yeah. Johnson eventually became a starter, but... He part of the reason why he became a starter was because he was a really, really good backup quarterback. And when somebody got hurt, he was able to step in. Let's take a quick break. And I want to ask you if you are a hundred percent sure who the first overall pick in this draft is going to be. Because Cliff Kingsbury talking today at the owners' meetings, I'll tell you what he said and whether we're sure that it is going to be a certain quarterback. We'll do that next. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Score North. This is the one they're talking about. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. All right, back here on Purple Daily. I forgot earlier to give you the Bruce Arians quote, and I'm just glad because he is so quotable, and I've been reading his book, which is really good, um, Bruce Arians. And uh, he's like one of my favorite people in football. He really is. Yeah. yeah. And so they've hired two women to be on their staff. And he was asked about it at the owners meetings. And he said, so their gender is different. Who gives a bleep? (laughs) 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 Agree. Bruce Arians strongly agree with that. I'm really rooting for him in Tampa. I'm not rooting for his quarterback. But I agree with that. I'm I'm rooting for Bruce Arians to have some success in Tampa. Yeah, I know. It's um, a little bit conflicted there because I can't stand James Winston. And I don't think he's good. But I also think Bruce Arians is clever enough to get a lot out of him and make Mm -hmm. that team competitive. His book is so good because he just talks about working with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck. Like he just goes through. But he's got so many great stories of like when he was an offensive coordinator in college, one of his first gigs, they couldn't figure out who the quarterback was going to be. And so they one day saw the kicker throwing and they were like, wait a minute, this guy looks pretty good. And it turned out the kicker had been a quarterback before. So they put their kicker in at quarterback and (laughs) made it work. And like, we're, fairly competitive he's just got a bunch of stories like that actually freddie kitchens who's the coach of cleveland now was a quarterback for bruce arians when he was in college so how about that small world yeah speaking of quarterbacks are we a hundred percent manny would you bet what's the most valuable thing you have your car your dignity what 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 would be is the closest probably, to you? Probably my car, yeah. Okay, the car over the dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 all right. So 
Would you bet your car that Kyler Murray goes number one? No. Okay, so you are uncertain then that Murray is going number one. Yeah. My car is a Honda Civic. It's not that expensive. I might I might gamble it. I might bet that Kyler Murray's gonna go number one. Cliff Kingsbury said this about Kyler Murray today at the owner meetings. He said, I guess they he asked what he liked about Kyler Murray, and he said, I guess it's more what don't you like when you watch him play? He can run, he can throw, he's a competitor, he's one of the better dual threat players to ever play. Mm. You you bet in your car now, Manny? Yeah, ever I'll probably, play, I'll, I'll he probably said. take that bet now, yeah. Wow. I would bet my car, which means that Josh Rosen is going to be... He'll be available. Right? And, okay, Paging so... Paging Rick Spielman. This is so fun. He'll be available. I just, I just want to do all these trades. I want to trade Kyle Rudolph for draft picks and use those draft picks to trade for Josh Rosen. You could probably get... You could get Rosen for... Second round pick, third round maybe, pick. Maybe a second and a third. Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo went for a second. So that's like the bar. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that thing that was out there with the third round pick, I think that was to get everyone to make the phone call. Yeah. So they could be like, oh, call back on draft day, all of you at once. <laughs> and then we will pit all of you against each other and decide where we want to send them. And maybe they wouldn't send Rosen to the NFC. I don't know how much they value him, if it's high or not, but... Um, that's very interesting, the comment from Cliff Kingsbury on Kyler Murray, and I am now certain that he's going number one. I was looking at mock drafts from NFL.com yesterday, all of them across the board, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, that he is going number one. And that is what draft season can do for you, Manny. At the end of the football season, I remember we had Tom Pelissero on, and he said, you know, at the Senior Bowl, the people I talked to weren't really sure if Murray was going to be a top pick, or maybe he's middle of the first round, and now it seems like he's right up there at the top, that he's going to be number one. It seems, it's it's in some ways, it's kind of like, remember when Cam Newton kind of shot all the way up to the top of the draft. I think a lot of people looked at him as kind of, yeah, somebody will take him in the twenties maybe. And, and then all of a sudden he just went all the way up to one. Let me ask you this, Manny, who is the second most interesting quarterback to you? Is it just like Dwayne Haskins or do you think you know what Dwayne Haskins is going to be? So it's just like, "Eh, I don't know. Cause that's how I feel. I, I feel like Dwayne Haskins is going to be Kirk cousins at best. Like, I love this comparison. I've watched some of Dwayne Haskins, and it's like the same guy. He's accurate, and he's got a strong arm, but he is a pocket quarterback through and through. I mean, this guy can't throw on the move for anything. I mean, actually, Cousins is probably better at, like, the rollout throws, but they have to be designed. It can't be on the move. He can't go off script. But, man, can he execute the heck out of an offense. He's got a great arm, can really throw. But maybe the ceiling is a little limited on Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly what you're getting, but you High know. High floor, low ceiling. Right. You're never getting Patrick Mahomes out of Dwayne Haskins. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. You're not getting a league MVP. You're getting someone who is going to be is going to be good. And then there's the other guys, though. Like Drew Locke is really interesting to me mm-hmm. because I watched a few games of his, and he's like, great throw. Oh, my gosh, what a throw. And then, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> I could see him dropping all the way to like the second or third round because of that. What do you think of Will Greer? I don't understand why people in the NFL are down on Will Greer or if there's like a conspiracy where teams don't want to talk about how much they like Will Greer. Because there was like a early in the college 
this past college football season, there was talk about him being a Heisman candidate. Like, yeah. Like he was going to be invited to New York and he was going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And, you know, and typically when you think of a quarterback being a Heisman candidate, you think, okay, this guy's going to get picked pretty high in the first round. And then it just sort of faded off. And I don't know if maybe it was because West Virginia was just kind of a meh kind of team, but there was a lot of hype surrounding Will Greer at the start of the college football season, and then it just kind of faded off. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it had anything to do with his performance, though, either. Well, it, it didn't, though, right? I mean, like, I'm looking at his stats right now over the last two years. I mean, this is crazy. He threw 37 touchdowns, eight picks, and averaged 11 yards, or, or uh, I'm sorry, 10 yards per attempt. Threw for 3,800 yards. Like, he put up big stats last year, mm-hmm. last two years. He's got over 70 touchdowns. And 20 picks, like, he's throwing the ball all over the place at West Virginia. Maybe it's not the best competition in the world, but... But it's the same competition that Kyler Murray faced, Big 12. He finished fourth in the Heisman. I didn't even... Well, he he probably... He didn't get an invite, though. Right, yeah. He didn't get an invite to New York, but he he, finished fourth. But he was fourth. Yeah, that's what college football reference says. He's 6'2", 220. Seems fine. Mm -hmm. He rated extremely high pro football focus, like, accuracy. And this is where it gets really interesting, Manny, is... Same sort of conversation about if you were able to trade, let's say just either Trey Wayans or Kyle Rudolph on the on draft day. Let's say you trade one of those guys and you get extra picks, maybe second rounders. If Will Greer is there, I'm interested. You got to think about it, right? And Mike Zimmer dropped in draft as another option because he said they're not really sure if they're set. They'd like a veteran backup. But I'm, I'm looking at Greer like, What's uh what's gonna go on here? You know, I mean, yeah. is is Greer gonna be a secret surprise top ten pick? And we go, wow! Like I remember this with EJ Manuel. Like no one was talking, and that didn't work out. But nobody <laughs> was talking about EJ Manuel as a top quarterback that year. It was all Geno Smith, and then Manuel kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up as the top drafted quarterback. And yet he was a bust, of course. But um, with Greer. His numbers are so good, and he supposedly had a great pro day. And just, you're right, zero buzz. Maybe because he's just not super interesting? I don't know. There's nothing to it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like if you have significant question marks about your quarterback, if you're an NFL team, you've got significant you know, question marks about your guy, regardless of what, whatever you're paying him, I think you always have to go into every draft with a conversation, at least having a conversation about drafting a quarterback. Maybe not necessarily with your first round pick, but second round, third round, fourth round, whatever. I think if you have a little, even a little bit of doubt about the quarterback that you already have, you got to at least be willing to have a conversation about taking a quarterback in the draft. Um, Got a tweet about trading with the Patriots and, you know, maybe trading with the Patriots isn't the greatest idea just because, <laughs> because um, you know, they traded, of course, with the Patriots to get Cordero Patterson, mm. who won the Super Bowl with the Patriots. And they gave the Patriots, a, I think it was a third round pick for Randy Moss and then cut him a month later. That hasn't worked out super well. Yeah. <laughs> be straight with you on that. Yeah. Uh, another interesting comment that came out from the owners meetings was... The new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores, he said that he doesn't even like to hear the word tank. So if you say tank about the Dolphins, he's like, ah, put the earmuffs. No, don't say tank. And he says the term tanking, I think, 
is disrespectful to the game, Flores said. Mm. He said he doesn't like the term, doesn't like when people use it. The game has done a lot for him personally. I'm sort of paraphrasing here. It's uh, leveled the playing field for me as a person, he said. It's really the one thing's leveled the playing field. So to disrespect the game, to use that term, it stirs something up inside me. To put it nicely, Brian Flores against tanking. So if he really is against tanking, I wouldn't have hired him. If if I'm the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, the Dolphins are in the perfect tank position. They've got no talent there. They, I mean, a couple of halfway decent receivers who might be okay on other teams. Mike Gusecki is the tight end who I kind of liked last year in the draft, like fast tight end. But aside from that, they lost their starting right ta- tackle, Juwan James. Laramie Tunsil is there. He's kind of been a bust. Like, mm-hmm. they're not in a good place at all. And they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick as their quarterback to, I guess, keep it from being a complete mutiny because he's a great guy inside the locker room. But... Dude, Tua is going to come out next year mm-hmm. and be the top drafted quarterback, more likely than not. You don't want to rebuild with that? Like, you go through this in basketball all the time, and it creates some weird situations like, oh, I don't know, Devin Booker scoring 59 points in a 30-point loss. <laughs> Strange things go on. When, how about a team intentionally uh, calling a timeout when they didn't have one? To lose a game to There's better no timeouts, guys. That was so great what <laughs> and, the Pelicans did. <laughs> and when you watch Zion Williamson the other day, even against the seven foot six dude, and he scores thirty two points, you're like, mm, I get it. Tanking works. Sorry, Brian Flores. And you've got some quarterbacks that are going. You mentioned Tua. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is figured to be available in a couple of years. Yeah, two, I mean, two years from two now. Years, but so. I'd tank for two years for Trevor Lawrence. I would tank both years and take both of them. Like, this is exactly what Arizona's doing. It's like, well, okay, with Rosen, uh, we took him, and, oh, there's a better guy, so let's take him, too. Trade the other guy. And trade the other guy. Get some value. Or don't. Like, if I was Arizona, I wouldn't trade Josh Rosen. I would just keep him. And if he played well as a fill-in or something like that, or he played well in preseason or whatever, I would just wait until his value is high. Wait till somebody else's quarterback gets hurt and be like, well, look what I have, a Josh Rosen. That's exactly what Philly did with Sam Bradford. They draft Carson Wentz, and then the Vikings see Teddy Bridgewater get hurt. Like, oh, we've got something for you. Here's a first-round pick that would eventually help you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that did happen. Beat us in the NFC Championship Maybe they should just never trade. Like... (laughs) The Vikings should just stop tra- like trading for. Okay, guys you're and- good at this. Like, what's the best Vikings trade? Because the worst ones just come like right <laughs> is Probably a waterfall the, the of one, bad trades. The one that, the one I can think of right away in terms of, you know, a significant trade was probably trading for Jared Allen. Okay, yeah, they gave definitely. up. They gave up a fair amount for him, but I mean, he played out his full contract. He was a really good pass rusher for six years, and. I think that worked out pretty good for him. But other than that, I can't really think of like trades that the Vikings made for players for or, you know, trading for a player or trading a player away that really worked out in their favor. Okay, I'm trying to look this up, but there aren't too many great trades. I mean, like the Herschel Walker one is maybe the worst in Mm -hmm. history of all trades ever. Okay, so like old older generations are yelling at me about Fran Tarkenton. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, trading for him for the Giants. Like, yeah, that was a pretty darn good trade. That was before we were born, though. It was trading yeah. Harvin to the Seahawks is another option. 
I guess so. But yeah, then, they got but a then, first round pick out of it, right? Right. But then you don't have Percy Harvin. So that's yep. kind of the downside. And then, <laughs> um, you know, uh, Jared Allen is probably the best trade there. But yeah, some of these trades haven't gone so well. Maybe if I had been doing the trading, <laughs> maybe, you know, the Randy Moss one probably could have worked out. Well, both of them probably could have worked out if you, the first Randy Moss trade, when you trade him away, that probably would have worked out if you had like not taken Troy Williamson yes, and Erasmus right. James with your first two first round picks. That is true. But in the other one probably would have worked out if you chill just would have just like not cut him after like three <laughs> weeks, you know? So we're going to have a lot of fun coming up next on score North live. We have the home run draft home mm-hmm. run league draft coming up next. We're all going to participate all of score North staff in a fantasy league based just on home runs. And we're going to do our draft live on the air. That is coming up next for Score North Live. Sage Rosenfels at three. Thanks for listening. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup. So you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.